Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome to your Friday. Hard to believe it's already Friday. Rush Hour here on WABC. James Golden, most nearly with you here. If you'd like to be part of our program this afternoon, 800-848-WABC's number to call, 800-848-9222. Of course, the scandal over the classified documents, docs in possession of Joe Biden are still on the table. There are all sorts of other items in the news. The tech sector is laying off people left and right. I read somewhere the number of billions of dollars, and I don't have it in front of me at the moment, but they are quite a few number of billions of dollars. Well, here it is. I just found it. $12 billion annually that will be wiped out in salaries by these layoffs in the tech sector. $12 billion dollars. A lot of money. Well, I mean, Congress spends that what in a, in in a nanosecond. But if you're a part of the layoffs, it's never, ever, ever fun. And I don't. I have never felt you know any sense of Schadenfreude. Ooh, big tech is finally getting there. No, 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 no. No one wants to experience layoffs. Sometimes, although. We do experience them. Sometimes it is a blessing when one door closes, especially if you have been working in a toxic environment and all of a sudden you find yourself released from it. That can be a major blessing in your life. So perhaps for some of these people laid off, their future is just really beginning in a big way. Google alone is going to lay off 12,000 workers. The focus to AI is intensifying. In fact, you know, I, I, I posted a story today. I don't have it with me. Um, I didn't print it out. That now using artificial intelligence, somebody has created a way to have, quote, unquote, and I do say this in quotes, really, a conversation with Jesus. And also you can have, through artificial intelligence, a conversation with Hitler. I wonder if Kanye knows that. The documents, you know, Scott asked me right before the show about the origin of the documents, and I had to say, I had to tell him the truth. You know, I did not do a deeper dive on this whole document scandal as I would normally do with a news story of this magnitude. Because, frankly, 
I don't think anything is going to come. You see this already with Joe Biden. Everybody in the media is making excuses for him. And not one of these stories from the mainstream press even bothers to mention that at the time that some of these documents were being mishandled, he was not the president of the United States. He was not even the, he was former vice president. He did not have the right to unclassified documents. Everything in Donald Trump's possession. Donald Trump had the right, has the right, had the right as president to declassify. That is not the case with Joe Biden. But nonetheless, Scott's question Painful as it was for me to admit that, you know, I need to do a deeper dive into this. Forced me to do exactly that. So I, I found the timeline, and then I went through the timeline, and the timeline will indicate, if you have not heard the timeline, it should indicate how problematic this all is. So while we were still wondering whether, while we were still focused on there being a red wave, the the red wave that turned out to be the red trickle, on November 2nd, Joe Biden's lawyers, and this is what we're being told. Now, I don't know whether I actually believe this is the truth, because anything that comes out of these people in Washington, I have to doubt the veracity of it. Are they telling us the truth? But if we take them at their word, which we should do so with with an abundance of caution, if we take them at their word, on November 2nd, classified documents were found at the Penn Biden Center, a think tank in Washington, D.C., by President Joe Biden's lawyers. The very next day, the National Archives was notified about the discovery. Two days later, on November 4th, the National Archives Officer of Inspector General contacted a prosecutor at the DOJ and told them, now, stop right there. You would think that instead of going to some lowly prosecutor, Somebody at the National Archives, remember, these are the people that leaked all kind of information to harm Donald Trump. You would think that somebody from the National Archives would have phoned and said, we need to speak with Attorney General Merrick Garland. But no, they said, oh, just give us your run-of-the-mill prosecutor. Hey, listen, problem here, minor problem. We found some classified docs over at Biden's think tank. We just want to make you aware of it. Okay, thanks for the call. Hey, what are you having for lunch today? Then all goes dark. Because November 8th is the midterm. Now, after the blue wave turned into a trickle, I mean the red wave turned into a red trickle and Democrats were celebrating their good fortune. On November 9th, the FBI decides to get involved after the election. 
even though the DOJ had known about this now for days. Interesting gap in the timeline. Another few days goes by, and then Attorney General Merrick Garland, somebody finally told Merrick what was up. I guess his prosecutor said, hey, Merrick, we got a little issue here. Joe Biden has some classified documents. Ah, what? Yeah. He assigns a U.S. attorney, John Lausch, to determine if, hey, do we need a special prosecutor on this or can we just get by? Meanwhile, notice this. Not one leak. Nobody goes to the press. The president of these United States on December 20th informs this guy that uh, Barrett Garland, John Lausch, has looking at it. Hey, guess what, John? We found some more. Uh, we, 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 there's a garage that Joe has. Yeah, you know, the one with his nice little Corvette in it. Yeah, we, we, we found some more documents over there. What do you think? Should we look into this or what? That was the attorney, Biden's personal attorney. Yeah, we did a little search. We found some more. Still nobody goes to the public. Now we're all having Christmas. Everybody's having a happy Christmas. Retail sales are down from the year before because of the Biden economy. But so what? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Or whatever it is that Nancy Pelosi called Kwanzaa. I've already forgotten. And then finally on January 5th, Lausch advises Merrick Garland that, yeah, you know what, maybe you should get a special prosecutor. Still, guess what? Nobody goes to the press. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody thinks the American people should know anything about this. In a time where you can't keep secrets, all this is kept secret. More days go by. On January 9th, the White House publicly announces The classified documents from Biden's time as vice president were found at the office of the think tank. They already knew that there had been even more. They didn't tell anybody. More days pass. Finally, on January 12th, Louch gets around to telling, or rather the president's personal attorney, Informs Laos, hey, we found even more documents over at Joe's house in Wilmington. This is now the third tranche of documents that they found. And from there, the announcements were public. Had CBS not broken this story, We would have never known. And no, one under CBS is not telling anybody, at least so far, how they found out about all of this. 
the secrets that people keep. So that is the timeline for all of this. And the timeline should trouble all of you because, of course, this was electioneering. They they didn't tell anybody what happened before the election. We only find out on January 9th when CBS News somehow or another reported on all of this. Two months, over two months after it was discovered. Two months in secret. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. Byron Donalds will be with us, Congressman Byron Donalds, this afternoon. Can't wait to speak with him. And I, of course, welcome all of your calls. And we will take as many calls as we can today. There are other items in the news. We'll take a look at some of the headlines in the news and maybe do a dive. There is some, I have to warn you, there's one disturbing story about um, children that may come up. I'm debating. You may already be aware of this story. It is so horrific. James Golden, a.k.a. Boss Nunley, WABC Talk Radio 77, 800-848-WABC's number to call, 800-848-9222. We are coming back right after this. Shower is on the air. Attention, Ditto Heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Rush on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Most nightly's Rush Hour. It is Friday on WABC in New York. On November 20th in 1971, this a record, this masterpiece by Marvin Gaye was released. The What's Going On album, and of course the single What's Going On. This single reached number two on Billboard's Hot 100. Rolling Stone magazine has named this song the fourth best song of all time. Musicians, James Jameson on bass, killing it. And there are a lot more backstories to this album, apparently. One of the backstories that I've heard for years is that when Marvin first brought this album into Barry Gordy, he got one of the expressions that now we would call a WTF. What is this? And if you went back in time in your own mind and you looked at where Motown was prior as a record label, prior to this record and after this label, 
you would see why. This was a departure from everything that Motown had done as a record label. This was a concept album. That was a first. And for those of you that have never spent the time delving deep in this album, if you have some time over the weekend or in the weeks ahead, I would urge you to actually listen to the album. It is an incredible body of work. And it is also incredible to me, listening to it now all these years later, almost half a century later, which is scary. It's scary how much of it is still relevant to the things that we're dealing with today. This album paved the way for so many others that said, wow, I can actually move beyond telling a story in a song and telling a more complete story with an album. And, of course, there were all kind of references to things that were going on. I mean, you can hear the... Yeah, man. Yeah, we know what that is, some of us. Yeah. Marvin Gaye. The overdubs, all of that stuff, incredible. Now, today also... Uh, Etta James died on uh, 2012. Meatloaf, 2022 on this day. It's hard. You know, Meatloaf was 74 when he died. That, to me, is just, I always remember Meatloaf as being young. Paul Stanley of Kiss is 71 today. Questlove, 52 years old today. Those are Those are some of the musical notes. Of today, I mentioned a story concerning kids. Look, I'm going to tell you what the story is, and you'll have to search this one out yourself. I don't even want to go into the details of it. It is so horrific. I read this story in an exclusive at Town Hall last night, and today the story is starting to spread throughout other through other places in the media. There is a a gay couple, two men in Georgia, suburb of Atlanta who adopted boys, two young boys. And what is being alleged is that they use these boys as their true sex toys. These, this, husband and, this husband and husband couple ended up raping these boys and not only raping them multiple times over, and there are pictures of them all with their pride shirts on, with the rainbow shirts, the little kids used as sexual or, or, or sexual messaging props. And they also lent the young boys out to other pedo, pedos so that these boys could be raped and sexually abused by other pedophilia. And it is, you can find the other versions. Town Hall was where I first read the story. It came in a two-part series. Daily Mail has it today. I'm sure it's going to be, as it circulates, it is a horrific story. And I wondered when I was reading the story whether some people would use this in ways that maybe are unfair. Because I remember when the debates were taking place about 
gay couples adopting children. And some voices were saying, well, this is what's going to happen. Well, this happened. But, of course, this isn't what happens most of the time, not by a long stretch of the imagination. This is a criminal, depraved act by two individuals. But I know it is going to raise some questions. And how was this allowed to happen? How were they vetted? Why was there nothing that indicated that these kids were in trouble? And then you go to, some days I wonder, I wonder why we human beings spend so much of our energy dealing with certain members, with certain things. There's another story today, Fox News, Planned Parenthood sex educator teaches how minors, minors, minors can acquire, quote-unquote, spicy toys or substitute vegetables. I think you get the drift of where that one is going. This Planned Parenthood sex educator, Mariah Cudello, shared this on TikTok. Now, Planned Parenthood still takes about $600 million in when they're not aborting children. Apparently, their sex educator feels the need to groom children on how to use vegetables if they cannot, minor children, find the right sex toys to play with. Minor children. There's a story in the New York Post today about a trans dad who got pregnant after a one-night stand during his transition. Yes, you heard me. How a man got pregnant, a man, a trans man got pregnant. He had a one-night stand during his tradition, during his transition into a man, and now he is pregnant. He came out as transmasculine, a person assigned female at birth but who identifies with masculinity, and now he's pregnant. And by the way, he doesn't have any, um, how shall we say, there will be no breastfeeding because he had them chopped off. What kind of world, folks, do we live in? James Golden, a.k.a. Most nearly, we are going to come back. There's so many more things to talk about, and I do want to get to your calls. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Coming back right after this. This is The Rush Hour with Pose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. As we mentioned, today is... The birthday of the great Etta James, celebrating on WABC Talk Radio 77 on New York. At last, her biggest hit. We have with us, ladies and gentlemen, Byron Donalds, U.S. Representative Byron Donalds. How are you this afternoon, Byron? Doing good. How are you doing? Oh. Byron, how are you doing this afternoon? We have Byron Donalds with us. 
I'm doing good. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing great, Byron. Thanks for being with us. Byron, I have to ask you, there is so much fear-mongering going on over this debt ceiling. It's as if this is the first time that the United States of America has ever faced the debt ceiling. And this happens almost every year. Right now, we hit the debt limit, which stands at $34.1 trillion on Thursday. What I'm reading in the mainstream press is that Janet Yellen is, oh, she's pulling every trick out of the hat to make sure that this extraordinary thing, uh, that this doesn't fall into collapse. In the New York Times today, there's a column by one of their columnists saying that the Republicans are trying to doom the economy. Byron, why would you want to doom the economy? Uh, nobody wants to doom the economy. That's the White House putting this stuff out because they don't want to cut their spending. That's really what this is all about. It's about spending. It's not about the debt ceiling. The White House doesn't want to cut spending. They're trying to find some political win. They believe that the brinksmanship that always occurs on the debt ceiling only hurts Republicans. And so this is the playbook that they're going to use. Okay, so they're at this point are not negotiating at all. They're kind of telling all of you guys who won office, who legitimately represent your constituents who won the majority of the House, they're telling you, screw you. We don't want to talk to you. Do you expect that to continue? Or do you expect no. at some point that there'll be some negotiations over this? I don't think that's going to continue because we're not passing a clean debt ceiling. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's not going to happen. Because the truth is we have massively overspent money we don't have all under the guise that we have to get the economy back up and running uh, from the COVID-19 pandemic. The truth is, is that Joe Biden used the pandemic as an excuse to throw out all, to spend money on all of the liberal wish list items they've been wanting to do. To quote Rahm Emanuel, never let a crisis go to waste. It allows you to do things you never thought you could do before. So House Republicans, our, our view is we're not going to expand the credit card so you can pay for the things that are your, your wish list, we're not doing that. What we're going to request is that you get rid of all the liberal wish list spending, you pull all that out of the budget baselines, and if you do that, then you might be able to raise the debt ceiling. And, oh, by the way, the other piece of this is, and this is me speaking for myself, not for the other members of Congress, I am have I have no interest in increasing the debt ceiling to fund the Department of Homeland Security that has failed to secure the homeland. Why would I do that? That makes no sense. Right. Now, let me ask you another question about this entire spending fiasco. So far, you just mentioned the border. So far, we have learned that a lot of these COVID dollars that were supposed to be spent helping people, in fact, have been misused. But there is no real investigation underway just yet about that. I do expect that that will happen. We learn every day that I think I just saw another report, and this is the kind of stuff that I've been hearing all my life, and so have you, about the the Pentagon can't find, I think it's some 400 either million or billion, I forget the figure, but whatever it is, they can't find weapons, or they can't find out where the weapons were that Congress has already allocated billions of dollars for. If you look throughout the federal government, if you look for each through each agency, you can come up with these stories. The American people, Byron, look, I, you're a sensible guy. I know you. 
you you would never run the budget in your house the way that this government runs their budget. Why is it so difficult for Congress to actually say we have to be serious about the way that we spend money and to put the kind of controls in place so that the American people can feel at least the money that we do spend is being spent well? Well, listen, the reason why is because the Democrats truly believe that as long as the money's going out the door, that it speeds up what they want to see, which is you can't roll the money back. They're not interested in having checks and balances. They're just interested in having the money go out the door because we all know the toughest thing to do is to pull the money back once it's been spent because people get accustomed to the spending and then, you know, you basically just go down, you go down the road from there. So they don't want the checks. I mean, look, Ukraine is a perfect example. There are a lot of Americans who believe we should be supporting the Ukrainians in their fight for, for liberty and freedom from the Russians. Okay, that's all well and good. One of the things that we've been talking about is, well, where are just the checks and balances on so, so we know where the money's gone? They don't want to have that conversation. They're not interested in having that conversation. But that's the stuff that's going to be necessary for House Republicans to be able to be comfortable with continuing that spending. Like, this stuff is not really difficult. What we're asking for is the same thing every American would do in their own households, what every small business owner would do in their, in their own business. But in Washington, D.C., they are addicted to overspending and just letting it just continue to go, um, you know, unabated. And they might do it's a brief pause. But then the next crisis allows them to just go back to what they really want to do. And we, we really want to put a stop to that. Do you think ultimately that this is going to go to the place that Republicans, for some reason, have this unnatural fear that if they don't cooperate, then they say, okay, we're going to shut the government down for a few days, except for the money, that, except for the parts of it we're going to keep open, and we're going to blame Republicans for it. Uh, do you sense, I mean, you're still a relatively new member of Congress. Do you sense that that fear is still there, the fear that Republicans have had ever since the Clinton years and the government shut down? Or oh, yeah, are, you, no. are you guys prepared to play real hardball this time? Well, that fear is there. There's no doubt about that. I mean, there's, and you have the scar tissue from fights before with the Clinton administration, with the Obama administration, and now it's here again. So that fear exists. But... I think the difference between Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, and Joe Biden is Joe Biden doesn't have the ability to stand in front of cameras and make this argument. Um, I would love to have this debate with Joe Biden because I know I wouldn't the argument because he can't do it. He's just not capable of carrying this message. And nobody believes that what his spending, well, very few people believe that his spending has actually been the right thing for the American people. So I think at this point what we got to be able to do is be prepared to go to the go to the White House with proposals. This stuff we're working on right now that are legitimate proposals, which keep the functions of government operating, which get rid of all of the the, the, the reckless uh, woke spending, and then you can say, okay, now let's continue the business of the nation. But they don't want to do that. They want to keep all of the stuff that they slipped into these budgets under the guise of COVID nineteen because that goes along with their political agenda. But the truth is. We can't afford their political agenda. That's why we've hit the debt ceiling so fast, faster than we anticipated we were going to hit it, is because of all the massive spending. Look, the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill, that money 
is all the money that they're requesting an increase in the debt ceiling to pay for. That's in part what's a part, what's a part of this. That bill was atrocious. Nobody had a chance to read it. So why should we expand the debt ceiling for something that a Democrat House and a Democrat Senate agreed to that House Republicans all voted against? Now, if you truly believe that spending this kind of money is in the best interest of the American people, I have an $8 crate of eggs to sell you. <laughs> Byron Donalds, thank you. Look, I, I wanted to ask you, but I I don't really, I don't. Look, I see, I saw this thing with some of the hate that is being spewed toward you from these leftists. Are you ignoring it or are you just coping with it? I, I'm accustomed to it at this point. I mean, you know, in this business, if you're going to be a, a, a black conservative, this kind of stuff is going to come. But it's not because of me. I mean, they, they think they're going to intimidate me, but I'm not going to be intimidated. So, you know, that's just not going to work. But what it does do, unfortunately, is it does intimidate younger black kids, younger Hispanic kids, you know, who who actually believe in Republican values or conservative values. And what it does is to try to intimidate them that if you speak up, this is the same thing that's going to happen to you. Um, but I'm not worried about it. I'm going to do my job and do what I think is best. And I just hope that people begin to see the attacks that come regardless of who the person is. It's about the ideas. And unfortunately, from the left, it's about the color of your skin. Because they don't have a problem if a white person says this stuff. But let a black person say it, then all of a sudden you're 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 an anathema. And I think that's just totally wrong. I'm not the first person to go through it, won't be the last person to go through it. So I just ignore it and keep it moving. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, there are leaders who have titles of leaders and there are real leaders in America. And you have been introduced to the American public. You are now a household name. And people see in you, Byron a leader, a leader that they can trust, a leader who speaks his mind, and a leader who isn't going to be intimidated. So we just say to you, keep up the good fight and keep us posted. Absolutely, man. No doubt about it. You can count on me for that. Thank you. Byron Donald's with us, ladies and gentlemen, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurry. We're coming back. More right after this. Don't go away. Your calls are coming right up. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snerdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ah, yes, dancing in the moonlight. And if you dance in the moonlight tonight... Make sure you get to bed kind of early so you can be up with us for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We get it almost every night. 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. Have your first cup of coffee with us. There's a story out of Michigan about a school board member. So racist. Of course, the racism is is... She's not going to be called out on it by the mainstream media because I guarantee you, if this had been some Republican making a remark about uh, a white fo- about black people, it would be all over the news. But she's a black member of the school board calling white people evil, white women are the stupidest, whiteness isn't evil and all this nonsense. Sits on the school board. There's, there's so much hate. And a lot of, when you look at what's behind the hate, 
I just, I, I really dislike saying this, but if you look at what is behind the hate, in a lot of instances, you're going to find a bunch of unhappy leftists that are just mean, bitter, angry, and hateful. Let's go to the telephones, shall we? Let us start with David in Staten Island. David, how are you this afternoon? Welcome, Boston Airways West Shower. All right, you. Oh, I'm good. I have, to, I have to apologize. You hung up a bit too fast the last time I spoke to you. When you were talking about Trump and referring to being asked to go to Washington, and I said he should go, I did not mean it the way I said it. I saw an image of Brandon, and I did not want that to happen. That's the first thing. The second thing, the election in Alaska was a setup, a three-choice uh, voting with a divide the Republican Party so that the Democrats could win. They have plans to use that elsewhere, including New York. The Democrats will not put two people at the same point in the election, but they will allow two Republicans to subdivide the vote. The Republicans yeah, you're talking about the this, election in Alaska. You're talking about this rank choice system that Democrats have, and, and sadly, Republicans go along with it in some states. And again, when you look at what the Democrats are doing, rank choice voting, ballot harvesting, moving election day to now election month in some cases, these people have, quote, unquote, expanded voting rights to mean we're going to expand and do elections as we want until we win. And if you say anything about it, we're going to accuse you of trying to suppress people's vote. And that's all part of what they do. David, very clear. Thank you so much for the call. Jody in Vernon, New Jersey. Welcome, Jody. How are you? Hi, James. I have to share this factoid with you. I, you paid, played Marvin Gaye before, and I watch Antiques Roadshow. Well, they were happened to be in Detroit. And this man brought out some record albums. He collects vinyl records. So one day he pulled the record out and something fell out. It was Marvin Gaye's passport. So oh. they said, oh, my goodness, do you know what this is worth? He said, I have no idea. It was worth a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> that is amazing. And it must have, who knows how that got in there, boy. That's another story. Marvin Gaye, there's supposed to be a biopic about Marvin that is uh, in production, and I can't wait to see if it comes out. Uh, it is uh, by DePass Jones, I think, is working on that one out in Hollywood. So we'll see. What a fascinating story he has. Maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow we might be able to get some more of the What's Going On album in the house. We'll see. But if not tomorrow, in coming weeks. Thank you, Jody. We so appreciate your call. Let's go to Judy in Manhattan. Judy, how are you this afternoon? I'm fine. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to tell you I love you. And I'm not going to take much time, but I just wanted to remind you of this. You remember the picture that went viral of the young boy that was hugging the police and crying? Yes. Okay. He got killed by his adopted um, homosexual parents, they drove him and six other adopted kids off a cliff in California, and they all got killed. There was no survivors. Wow. And, uh, and, I, mm -hmm, and I mentioned that story uh, earlier. In the, look, and the one thing I don't want to do 
is to try to associate a large group of people to a horrific action by one or two members in it. That's just not fair. We all could do that. But at the same time, these stories are so horrific in nature that you wonder if anyone is going to look into the way, in this case, these parents were vetted, these adoptive parents. There were a lot of people on the right that said, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this. Okay, it's being done. But now what? Who is going to be held accountable for these parents not being vetted that used their adopted kids as sex toys, traded them around the other uh, 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 pedophiles, and then, so what happens now? Do we just forget? Wow. I'm trying to see if we have time for one more. We do, but you got to make it quick. Gino in the Bronx, you got to make it quick. We're running out of time desperately fast. Go Cowboys, go Giants, even though the dirty birds from Philly will probably kick their asses. But at least they could do us a favor when we take out Purdy Boy and the 49ers. <laughs> and I guess there's your NFL wrap-up. We are. <laughs> By the way, does Tom Brady have a future after this year? I haven't been following football that much. Maybe we'll talk to someone over the weekend. So anyway, tomorrow morning is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here. I'm going to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, to go grab yourself, if you can, The Daily BS. It's our twice-a-day news blast, thedailybs.com. Cats at Night is up next. Make sure you keep it here for Cats at Night and the rest of our great programming here, Music Radio, WABC on the weekend. I understand Cousin Brucey may have a huge show coming up, so just stay posted with that. May God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families. We'll be back early in the morning, tomorrow morning. I'm going to grab a few hours sleep between now and then, start preparing for that show tomorrow, three hours, 7 a.m. Hope you're here. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your families. We'll be back bright and early in the morning at 7. Hope you're here with us. See you then. Bye.